Welcome to the Tell Your Story podcast. Your story has the power to bring healing, inspiration, and joy. So what are you waiting for? Tell your story. Tellers, welcome back to the podcast. I'm sitting here with Isaac and Tanya Tigan. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for hey, having, y'all. Hey, thanks for having thanks us. Thanks for having us. So we're in the Tell the Story of Who You Are series, and you guys are, get this, guys, they're a man and a woman. <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> oh, snap. Mm-hmm. It's kind, that's kind of like a taboo thing nowadays, but we don't have to go there. Anyway, <laughs> um, so tell us a little bit about yourselves before we get into the questions. Um, hi, my name is Isaac Tigan, and um, I am 34 years old. And I am married to my wife. Hey, y'all. My name is Tanya. I'm 34, almost 35. Probably by the time y'all hear this, I might be 35 Mm -hmm. already. And I'm married to Isaac. And we have three amazing boys, Clayton, Arden, and Maddox. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've been married for 12 years. Almost. Almost. Yes. May will be 12. Yes. I was going to say, does he know the date? Does he know when? Oh, I'll tell you. It was May 15th, 2010 at 3 o'clock. Boom. Yes, they were married on my son's birthday. (laughs) It's very cool. Um, So we'll just kind of go back and forth with y'all. There might be some weird questioning, but it's good to explore. So for Tanya, what does it mean for you to be a woman? What does that mean? Um, well, first of all, I just want to say that I've been a woman my whole life. (laughs) Since birth. Since birth, praise the Lord. And, um, I believe that being a woman is really simple. Um, I believe that it means that we are life givers. We bring forth life. Um, things are brought to us and we multiply them. We, we create with the things that we are given, um, we might be given, you know, $20 to go to the grocery store and baby will come back with <laughs> peas and rice and cornbread fixings and baby, we got a meal. So, um, I believe that a woman is essentially a life giver and a multiplier and a nurturer. I love that, that you multiply what you take, whatever you have and you make more out of it. That's awesome. What is your role in society? In, in your household. So it's like kind of two different things. Okay. So I think I'm going to answer the household one mm-hmm. first because it fits. It's a little bit easier for me to explain. So y'all, I, um, I run Tigan Enterprises. Tigan Enterprises <laughs> is our house. I'm a domestic engineer. I'm the CEO of the Amen. banking industry um, <laughs> of Tigan Enterprises. So y'all, I stay at home. I'm a stay at home mom, but I'm also um, a homeschool parent, so I'm with my kids 24-7 because I love them so much, Mm -hmm. and they are dear to me, and, you know, I know everybody listening that got kids, your kids are dear to you, and you do what you got to do, but um, for me, the Lord brought me to this home, home, home lifestyle in a unique way, and Mm -hmm. so I just kind of treasure that, Mm -hmm. and um. I'm a nurturer. I I believe that what I'm supposed to do in my home with my husband and with my kids is to pull out the things that are their gifting, 
um, remind them of their identity, how mm. God made them, how God formed them. Um, help them, I see their own gifts and push them into that. And um, um, and uh, I believe that um, as I do that, um, my kids are going to grow up um, having a different life than their peers. I know that's it might not necessarily be the typical way of doing life, but it's um, it's something that I believe I would never trade in a million years. Um, my role in society, this question is a little tricky. I'm going to be real honest mm. because I want to say this. I'm an African-American woman. I'm conservative, politically speaking, but I'm also, you know, I care about the poor and I care about people and um, I care about our country and our nation and those things matter to me. But um, the way that I live my life is completely opposite of what people expect of my, who I am on the outside. And so I believe that my role in society kind of comes more from who I believe I am in Christ, which is a daughter of the Most High. And so I believe that in society, I'm here to just affect people for the better, you know, mm -hmm. help them know who God called them to be, help them um, just mm -hmm. work through the things that they're going through, be a listening ear. You know, <laughs> I was thinking about this earlier this morning. I feel like I'm like, I'm like what most people would say your grandmama was. Mm -hmm. You come over to their house, you, you get a plate of food, somebody going to listen to you talk, mm -hmm. and uh, you're going to feel better, and they're going to pray with you, and you're going to walk away with some wisdom and some, and some love and a plate of food because that's just <laughs> who I am, and I believe that's who I am in my home and in society. Yeah, there's certain things that never got a style, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, that people still need that. Yeah. Um, so I guess for Isaac, what does it mean to you to be a man? Mm. What does it mean? Well, if you go look at the prototype or the blueprint in Genesis 1, um, when God formed Adam, he gave him a job. He mm. said, take care of the garden, tend it, work it. Um, he said to name the animals. And so the first thing that a man is, is he a, he's a worker. Um, and and on, the second thing is, not only is he a worker, but God communed with him and he spent time with the Lord daily. Mm -hmm. um, time in his presence, talking with him, having conversations with him. It wasn't an overly religious thing. It wasn't, uh, I have to do all these extra works. I have to do all these extra things. He actually spent time talking to his creator, his father. And getting to know him, know his heart, know his mind, know how he thought, know how he operated. And, of course, you know, sin entered and we lost that in the garden. But the mandate, you know, when Jesus came, he's, he's the last Adam and he came to redeem that. Mm -hmm. And so our role as men has been redeemed and is still to do that, to be a worker, to spend time in his presence. And on top of that now, because of where we're at in society, you know, we are required now to work and go out there and get, you know, bring home the bacon as it were, you know. Um, we're also called to be protectors. We're also called to be providers. We're called to um, be those ones that when we see an injustice or see a wrong, we're there to do something about it. Mm -hmm. And um, so I believe that there's a lot of things that encompass that. 
but in long and short, we are to be um, who God created us to be. And I, that is what I believe it means to be a man, is to be who God designed you to be. Oh, I like that. <laughs> Take it from the beginning. Because when Jesus would talk about things, he was like, no, I came to, to put it back yeah. like it was. So I love right, that, going right. back to the beginning. Um, so what is your role in your household and then in society? <laughs> well, my role in my household, um, I am... Well, and the way I say this is, I say it to every guy I talk with, every young guy I talk with, every man is born a leader whether he wants to be or not. Mm. Because you will one day, if you if you don't get married, then you may not necessarily be this. But if you have a desire to be married, you are the leader, you are the head of a house. And so you were born to be a leader, mm. whether it is in your career field, your industry, whether it's on your job, just going to a job, whether you have a wife and kids, you are the leader. Um, that is one thing that you definitely are as a man. You're a leader, you're a provider, you're a protector. And so my role in that is to be those things. Mm-hmm. Um, there are certain decisions that have to be made. And it's not that I'm better uh, than my wife. It's not that I'm better than my kids or better than other people. It's just the role and the design that God had set up to say, listen, somebody's got to have the final say, the final decision. And whenever the decision is made, I'm holding you accountable and you're responsible mm-hmm. for what happens and what goes on. So when people say, oh, I'm the head, I'm the leader. Yeah, you are. But just know that God is holding you to a higher standard and God is going to require your, uh, require an answer for your actions and for you, how you treat, how your perspective, how you do things. God is going to uh, require an answer from you. Mm-hmm. And so you don't take that responsibility lightly or nonchalantly or neglect it. Um, I believe it's vitally important that you take those roles very seriously. And in society, I believe it's similar. Mm-hmm. Um, when you have society things going on like we see today, I mean, it's 2021 and all of the things that are going on, all the things that are you see on TV, mm-hmm. to me, it's almost like living in two different Americas. You know, what I see, because obviously I'm a white guy, so my wife's black, I'm white, so that already, <laughs> there should be a... Was that <laughs> obvious? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it was or wasn't, but just for general purposes, it's, you know, there could be a whole lot of hostility even at home, you know, and then going out in society and having hostility, you know, you have to know that you have a role to play, even though society wants to essentially eradicate anything remotely masculine. Mm. You know, you hear in the news, you hear in society, toxic masculinity and Mm. men are this and men are that and all these things. But in spite of all that, our role is God given. And it will never, ever go away. It will always be vital. It will always be needed. Husbands and fathers and leaders are still needed in society today. That isn't going anywhere. And our role is to be those protectors. Our role in society is to be the trendsetters, is to be the leaders, is to be the influencers. Mm -hmm. And when we abandon those responsibilities, and it creates a vacuum. And on top of that, you know, we see the issue with fatherlessness. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is one of the leading causes of problems in our society that we see today. I mean, most of the people in jail that ended up in gangs are dead. They didn't have fathers. They didn't have men speaking into their lives. They didn't have that accountability that, hey, look, you're going down the wrong path. You need to bring them back over here. None of those type things would be as bad as they are if men took their rightful place, took their roles, and did what God called them to do the way they were designed to do it and not allow society and pressures to relegate them to the sidelines, to say that they're invaluable, they're not needed, they're not important. And allowing all that to get into us and second-guess ourselves and to think that we can't do what God has designed us to do. Mm-hmm. That's my man, y'all. <laughs> well, no, I, I, 
I'm like ditto because I'm a single mom mm-hmm. over here, and my kids have a dad, obviously, and he loves them very much, but he's yeah. he lives far away. Right. So for me, people like Isaac and just these fathers who said, "I'm going to step up." Yes, your son can come over. Yes, your you know, like yeah. to to step in when the boys don't have a dad around. That's so important. It's mm-hmm. important for them. They want it. You know. Yeah. And because masculinity uh, is a good thing, mm-hmm. you know. When it's done properly in its right context, masculine masculinity is right. It is proper. Mm. Just like femininity, being feminine, is right and proper when it's done in its proper context. God designed it. God said it was good. And when you twist that and contort that, then of course it's not good. Then of mm. course it comes out in all these different perverted ways. And masculinity is very vital and very important because it presents an image of an aspect, an attribute of who God is. Mm. And whenever that is attacked, we don't have a true understanding of what masculinity is. And this is a question just for both of y'all. Like, how do your differences help you work together and take care of your family? Um, you know, I think that we try to play to each other's strengths. You know, um, Isaac, he works outside the home. Yeah. And I don't. I don't want to be a burden to him and say, well, baby, you worked all day, so you're going to come home and do all this work when you get home. I try to uh, create an atmosphere where he can come home and rest. At the same time, um, he will look at me and say, well, babe, you done worked a lot today. You need a break. So, you know, he'll play with the kids or he'll do bedtime routine with them mm-hmm. um, so that I can just catch a break and, and breathe a little bit mm-hmm. and Um, I think that for us, we just, it took us a minute to figure out our place, like how to work towards the strengths. And then we cover each other's weaknesses. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like we're not, we're not out here like using them as a weapon against each other. Mm -hmm. Like I know what Mm -hmm. buttons to push to make him angry and he knows which ones to push to make me angry, but we strive really hard not to do that, Mm -hmm. but to, um, just encourage each other to grow in those weaknesses and to grow in the things that we need to do better on. Sure. Absolutely. Um, I think one of the things that's really good as far as how we do life and how we kind of play to each other's strengths is she's right. You know, whenever I come home, you know, there's some days I'm maybe tired or frustrated or whatever, but she doesn't put, you know, she doesn't hit me as soon as I get home with, million things you know and i walk to the door with hey this happened and this happened and this needs to get done and we got to do this and she doesn't do that and she allows me to come in and to catch my breath and to do a few things you know that i may sit down for 10 minutes you know or i may do something you know it yeah, just depends he gotta come home and eat <laughs> that's a word in itself he right. gotta eat when he come home bless god you know um and that's good because i mean she understands that you know when at the same time i understand she's been with the kids all day long mm-hmm. whether it was a good day a bad day rough day whatever and so knowing that i just don't come in and check out mm. and there have been times in the past where i used to do that and that's not fair to her because she has a certain expectation for me to come home and to be helpful yeah. because I've been at work all day. I haven't had to deal with the kids. Now, granted, I've been at work, but just because I'm at work doesn't mean that I get to check out when my work is done because my work is never done. Mm-hmm. If I'm not at work, then I'm, a, I'm at my full-time job. And this is the way I've heard it said is 
you know, what I do outside the home is my part-time job. Mm-hmm. What I do in the home is my full-time job. Mm-hmm. Because I will always be a father. I will always be a husband. Until I take my last breath, I will always be have those two roles forever mm-hmm. and ever. Now, I can switch jobs. I can change jobs. I can be jobless. You know, I can work for myself, whatever. That can fluctuate and change. Mm-hmm. But being a father and being a husband never will change. And so I have to take that seriously and be a help to her. You know, it's not just her always being a help to me. It's me being a help to her, whether it's unloading the dishwasher or vacuuming the floor or helping out, like, with the kids and baths and stuff. It's not all on her to do. And there's guys say, well, I'll run this. This is my house. Well, if it's your house, then why don't you run it like it's your house and take the responsibility of it oh, and do it. <laughs> do it. You know, and I've heard it put this way, too, you know. Everything a woman does... It's just icing on the cake, and you should be appreciative of it because mm-hmm. if it's your house, you're actually responsible for all everything that goes in your house. You're mm-hmm. just there to help you. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you're not doing the laundry, that you're not cleaning, that you're not doing the dishes, that you're not keeping up with the house, that's actually your job. <laughs> but these women do it a lot of it at the times because mm-hmm. it's in their nature, and it's how they operate, and it's how they do things. Yeah. But they're there to help and assist us in what we are called to do and what we are supposed to be doing. Mm. Yeah, the help me. Yeah. <laughs> So, Tanya, what do you need in friendship from other women? Because, of course, you have your husband as your best friend, but what do you need from women? Oh, I ain't a friend. I'm a husband. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't going to like you. Huh? <laughs> He's <No>. married. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is my best friend. I think that, uh, truth being told, he knows everything about my thinking and Mm-hmm. things going on before sometimes even before I do mm-hmm. um but when it comes to friendship and other women I I really just want to approach this first by saying a friend is someone who sees you for who you are mm-hmm. and loves you mm-hmm. and will speak the truth to you mm-hmm. and is not an echo <laughs> just because I like something doesn't mean you have to like it right just because I think a certain way doesn't mean you have to think that way um it's someone that can sharpen my edges um, where I might be dull. And that, that means, you know, uh, I don't even know how to put this other than like, like for instance, uh, Lord Jesus, help me. Accountability. That's the word. That's mm. the word. I was trying to figure that out for a second. Um, just someone that can say, hey, girl you're thinking too hard about this. We need to, we need to shape it up and come on and make some steps and move forward. Um, I, I think in being friends with women, I think we oftentimes think that everything has to be a cry it out session and, or we have to do crafts and things, which is all, all of those things are great and all of those things are good. But I think for me, I just need someone that's just like girl, Mm-hmm. I love you. Get it together. Let's mm-hmm. move forward. Um, and I'm not going to let you stay in your, in your mess. Put your big girl panties on and let's move. <laughs> so. Love it. <laughs> what, about, what about you, Isaac? What do you need in friendship from your guys? Oh, from my guys. What I need from them. Oh, first of all, I, I believe I need, first and foremost, consistency. Most And sadly, most guys that I encounter and that I'm... Uh, and friends with or attempted to be friends with throughout my life has been inconsistent mm-hmm. where, you know, I call them or I text them. I don't get a call or text back. Um, I say, let's go meet up, you know, and I 
say I call or text 20 guys, only like two or three show up, you know, because they just don't respond or they got things going on, which that may be the case. But at the same time, just the, hey, I heard, I got your message, or hey, I'm sorry, Mr. Call, I've got this going on. Simple things like that, consistency. Knowing that, yeah, I see the effort you're making, and I see it. You know, I'm not just neglecting it. So for me, the first thing is consistency. You know, if we're going to be friends, it's hard to be friends if we never hang out, if we never talk. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the first thing. The second thing is um, that I need from guys is when we are together, when we are hanging out, they don't always have to be about sports or girls. <laughs> I understand, you know, you have a desire, you want to get married or you're interested in a female, cool. I mean, let's talk about that, but every single time we're together, that that's overboard. Or all you ever talk about is sports or cars or whatever. Not that those things are bad in and of themselves, but if that's all you ever talk about, that's surface-level stuff. And that tells me one of two things. One is you either don't want to let nobody in because you think you can handle everything on your own, which you can't, or two, you're scared to let people in because you don't know if they're going to see a fake side of you or the bad side of you or the side of you that you don't want nobody to see. And a lot of that has to go. I mean, it's, it's got to, it's time out for all that. It's been, we've got too many things going on in our world and our society that we have to let people in. We have to be willing to talk. Hey, look, I got this going on in my life and I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. I need help. Mm-hmm. And it's, it takes a humbling. You have to humble yourself to to a degree to, to do that with other guys. And so being open, being honest, you know, and actually having those tough conversations, you know, when people say, oh, we're friends, we're friends, we're friends. But then when the rubber meets the road and it comes to the point of, look, you over here playing in your mess. You need to come on and get out of that. Mm-hmm. You know, I see this. I don't want you going down this road. Come on. You know, you know better. This is what the word says about it. Now let me help you get back on track. Mm-hmm. Because whenever you're out there by yourself and you're alone, the enemy's got you separated. He can start doing a number of things because you're outside of protection. You're outside of hanging out with that friend group that keeps you in line, that helps keep you uh, surrounded and protected and lifted up in prayer. Whenever you're not sharing with nobody, you're not talking to nobody, and you're struggling, you're dealing with stuff, you're just out there by yourself. But you're not the only one. And when you can feel that way whenever you isolate yourself intentionally. Mm-hmm. And, and doing that to yourself is not good because there's going to be life and things that happen that come your way that you're not going to be able to handle by yourself. There are going to be times where like, I just need somebody to carry me for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I need somebody to help me. I need somebody to pray me through this. I need somebody to talk this out with me, but because you won't, or you won't allow, or because you're scared or because you don't have the time or whatever, you have to make the time for you make time for what's important. Mm-hmm. And if you really value somebody's time and their friendship, you're going to make time for them. You're going to say, you know what, I need you in my life because we can sharpen each other. Mm-hmm. Um, the third thing that I need from guys is not just to use you for what you can do for them. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of guys like <clears throat> that I've had uh, growing up, they'll use people because they have a car and they don't. So they'll be friends with them and get rides around from them and, mm-hmm. oh, or they got money. And so they want to hang out with them because they can always pay for stuff mm-hmm. or because you're really gifted at something. They're trying to hang on to your coattail and just use you for what they can get out of it. That that doesn't need to happen either. You need to bring what you can bring to the table no matter what it is. Mm. This is my gift, my talents, my abilities, my energy, whatever it is. This is what I can bring. And it needs to be, uh, to the best of your ability, you know, equal if, you, if it can be. 
you know, it needs to be a reciprocal relationship. I give, then I take. I give, and then I take. And it goes both ways. You know, it doesn't need to be one-sided, give and take. That's what I need from my guys. Yeah, I imagine that with men, it's harder to get to that place, you know, for for different reasons, you know, especially because men are told, hey, don't show your feelings oftentimes. So it could be tough for men to go there. And then the women, it's like it's all emotion. Right. <laughs> right. And, and I think a lot of it is, is gotten out of balance almost where it's like we never mm-hmm. show emotion. We never, real men don't cry. And Since when? Women are always, oh, my gosh, you're so emotional. Mm-hmm. Right. we got to be vulnerable, right. open. No, we all need it. We all need it. We there's all time to, yes. need it. There's a time and a place for the emotions, and there's a time and place for everything. Mm-hmm. And we all got to put our, our yes. get ourselves together, get up, and keep moving. What do you think men and women need to understand about each other? I mean, you guys have been married almost 12 years, so you've kind of learned some things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a few things. One thing that I've always told Tanya is different doesn't mean wrong. Just because we're different, just because we have different strengths, different weaknesses, different ways of thinking, different perspectives, that doesn't mean that we're wrong. Um, We actually need them to help one another, to be better, and to see things differently, and to grow. Because if everybody's the exact same, and nobody is seeing something differently, or everybody's looking at it the same way, like Tanya said, if everybody's echoing the same thing, Mm That doesn't help anybody grow. That puts you in a place of comfort and a place of uh, complacency, and you never grow. You never develop. You never become all that God wants you to be. And I think that men need to understand that when women bring you a problem, they're not always looking for you to fix it. They Amen. just want you to hear it. Amen. <laughs> just hear it. Sometimes women are we're in our head, mm-hmm. and. Just being able to say it out loud to another human being to is just out, enough huh? mm-hmm. to arrive as a solution on our own. Don't get me wrong. We're not all damsels in distress out here. Some of us are strong and independent, and sometimes we do need you to fix it. But listen completely and mm-hmm. then say, what do I need to do to help you in this? Mm. That's it. That's good. That question, I like that. <laughs> um, what parts of God or Jesus or the Spirit do you see in each gender? Like, what part oh, of God do you see? I, in... I love this question. I love it. I, I know love it. it. I, I know it. you do. Um, <clears throat> one of the things. God is a he. It's a man. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because um, the word does refer to God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit as he. Um but one the the dominant thing that I find, specifically the Holy Spirit that I find is you know, his feelings can be hurt, he can be grieved, mm. um, he can get quiet, and a lot of the, the the attributes of the Holy Spirit, they tend they tend to lend to and lean to a lot of the type of feelings and emotions and attributes of a female. Mm. So a good indicator, and just as a, a a good indicator to to kind of measure or gauge how well you are in tune with the Holy Spirit is if you're not married, a good friend that's a female, you know, or if you're married, your wife. How does she respond to you? How does she talk to you? How does she? What does she say to you? How much does she talk to you? Mm-hmm. You know, because if you're the way you are as a man, you tend to be dismissive or condescending or 
just not paying attention and not listening. And she has that the the feeling that he's not really caring. He's not really into what I'm saying. A lot of times, that is the same approach that we the men will take with the Holy Spirit. Um, so it's almost you can kind of gauge a little bit. And there's been times where I'll be doing something and Tanya gets quiet, and I'm like, "Wait, what happened?" And I realize I said something or I did something that her feelings made her mad or, or caused her to like, you know what? He don't even care right now mm-hmm. of what I'm saying. And so I have to go back and I have to apologize to her and tell her, hey, I'm sorry I wasn't paying attention or I was distracted or whatever, and allow her to pick back up because she understands now that I'm paying attention and that I'm engaged mm-hmm. and I'm involved. And a lot of times uh, it's the same way with the Holy Spirit. You know, whenever you say something to someone or you do something and the Holy Spirit tries to tell you, don't do it, don't go there, don't say mm-hmm. that, don't do that, and we do it anyway, well, now the Holy Spirit's grieved. Mm-hmm. And because you didn't listen to him, well, why would you expect him to talk to you after it? You know, you have to go and repent to the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, I'm sorry I didn't listen to you. Sorry I disobeyed you. Sorry I did that or said that. Because the Holy Spirit's not going to leave you or forsake you. But the Holy Spirit does can have their feelings hurt. He can have his feelings hurt. Can get grieved. Can get quiet. Mm-hmm. And it's the same way with, you know, your wives and with girls that you're around. You know, you can grieve them too. And then you wonder why. Well, what's wrong? What hurts? Why she ain't talking? You know? Mm-hmm. And they may not say nothing. Because th- those attributes a lot of times are related in female terms. That's what I find most is how similar the Holy Spirit and females and ladies are. And um, I would say that um, God the Father, I really believe, kind of just embodies what masculinity is. I'm not saying that Jesus or the Holy Spirit don't. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just easier for me to equate that. And the reason why I say that is... um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is gonna this is gonna seem a little out there, but hear me. So God created everything, right? He built a home, this home that we call Earth, and then He created a family and said, Here, here's your house. Mm-hmm. And um in this house you have a job. You're gonna take care of the house. And um y'all are my children, and y'all are gonna have children and you're gonna continue this process Mm -hmm. and he 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 affirms our identity you know he tells us who we are he tells us that we belong to him he affirms who we are Mm -hmm. he he gives us gifts like talents and abilities and he calls us to use them he shows us a plan that he's created for us and men oftentimes will have a direction that the family is supposed to go in Mm -hmm. and he he presents the vision to the wife essentially and the wife hears it and um the multiplication kicks in yes (laughs) yes i was gonna say this real quick just a little side note Mm -hmm. submission doesn't mean just being quiet and going along it means being under assignment together i got that from john and lisa Mm -hmm. bevere and i really like that Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. we're both doing something together and so um the Lord will often give the husband the vision and he'll present it to the wife and both of them have to come together in agreement and say, Mm -hmm. okay, well, this is what the Lord said Mm -hmm. do. So now we're going to put it to work. And so as the husband receives the information and shares it with the wife, and sometimes the wife receives the information and shares it with the husband, they're able to cultivate those things Mm -hmm. and grow them just how God cultivated and created Mm-hmm. This this place that we call home, Earth, and I believe that he ex- 
he he uh, he presents himself as the things that we need. We can trust him. We can go to him, talk to him at any time. He's always available. Um, those are things that are masculine to me. I also believe that Jesus embodied that. I think a lot of times people get this idea that Jesus was just in the field picking mm-hmm. flowers. <laughs> he was just so friendly and love thy neighbor. Oh my gosh, <laughs> sunshine and roses and rainbows. Yeah. But yeah, Jesus was, you know, he loved his neighbor, but he was also ferocious. I mean, in my that's how I see him in the sense of, you know, he wasn't afraid to challenge those who needed to be challenged, um, specifically the Sadducees and Pharisees on anything whenever they wanted to test him, he <laughs> tested them right back. That is also a very strong characteristic of a man. Yeah. If you feel like you want to try them, be ready to be tried in return. God bless mm-hmm. you and your family. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> but the, yeah. the testing back is to produce growth. It's not yeah. to it's not to make you feel bad. It's not to diminish you, but it's to help you readjust your focus. And one of those uh, one of those moments that I like to point to is when Jesus came and overturned the tables. Mm. He said, uh, "Y'all have turned my house into a den of thieves. Mm. This is not, this is my house." And y'all are supposed to be my family, and this is the Father's house, and this is what we're supposed to do in his house. We're yeah. supposed to seek him and pray in this house. So this is not okay. Mm-hmm. You know how mad you got to be to stand there mm-hmm. and to braid a whip, right? <laughs> watching it happen go down in it your house, in your house, mm-hmm. and then he has to he flips over the money table. He said, this is my house. Mm-hmm. You have turned into a den of thieves. My house shall be called a house of prayer. Yeah. And after that whole scene was done and over with, they brought the sick to Jesus and he healed them mm-hmm. in the Father's house. Mm-hmm. He restored reverence. He restored respect. He restored honor to the house. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so you're going to see that in the men. And then I'm going to just piggyback a little bit off of what my husband said about the Holy Spirit representing has attributes of um, womanhood. Um you know, Psalms tells us that when the worlds were framed, he hovered over the face of the deep. Mm. Women have a womb and mm. the Lord sees in the womb what is created inside of it. And God said, and it was mm-hmm. God said, and the Holy Spirit went into action. Just like God spoke the words, mm. the words gave the Holy Spirit something to multiply and An create. Mm. And mm-hmm. it's the same way. Yeah, it's the mm-hmm. same way. Yeah. yeah. That's good. I never thought about that. But you even look at what Jesus calls the Holy Spirit. He's yeah. the helper, yeah, exactly. the comforter. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what the woman is. You're right or die. That's yeah. <laughs> right or die. <laughs> no struggle, love, though. No, no struggle. <laughs> can uh, Tanya? Can you name someone who you consider to be like the epitome of womanhood? Like, who's a woman that you admire and just like, yeah, that. That's a woman right there. I know this is probably going to sound cliche, but hear me. Okay. My mom. Mm-hmm. My mom. Um, my mom is an amazing woman. Okay. She's an amazing woman. She comes from an amazing family, you know. And um, man, I just think about all that I've known my whole life about the things that she grew up with and um, just even... Uh, earlier this year with the passing of her father and just learning some things for the first time about how how she knew things growing up and 
and then marrying my father and being a military wife for 20 years and um, raising four kids and moving so much and working and not working and 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 now she works and she enjoys her job and the sacrifices that she makes and it's like I don't I don't I don't see there are a lot of women and that I I, I honor and I recognize and I, I admire them but I'm sorry they don't hold a candle to my mama. Oh they don't. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> What about you, Isaac? Who, who's a man that you like? Yeah, that's a man. John Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, that's just, honestly, it's a tough question. Mm. I mean, for me, it really, really is. Um, and, I, man, honestly, I, I don't have an answer for that, honestly. Mm. No, no particular one... I guess, man that just defines that, you know, for me. There are men in my life that have um, really impacted me, really influenced me. I, I've had um, different ones that I've gleaned things from, that I've learned from. But, and I think it's all just bits and pieces, really. Yeah. Um, they had a really good uh, piece of manhood that I gleaned from. Um, and I guess if I had to, like, I guess, choose or pick somebody, I would probably have to say, because um, the people I looked up to the most, I guess, growing up were preachers. Mm. Um, and because they exhibited, you know, attributes that, that I wanted to exhibit. Um, so just different things, you know, about them how they carried themselves, what they talked about. Because even to this day, you know, when people are, when they're in services, you know, or they're ministering, I'm I'm a watcher. And I watch what they do. And I watch how they interact. And I watch, you know, how they conduct ser their service, you know, and different things like that. Because, I mean, just seeing how they operate, how they flow. Because that's, in those moments, it's when, I get a glimpse or a window of how they operate, how close they are with the Lord. Mm -hmm. And it helps me, okay, that's what you do, or that's how you say something, or that's how you mm -hmm. flow with the Holy Spirit. And those are the type of attributes and those are the type of things I want in my life as well. And that's just from a spiritual aspect. And even from a natural aspect, you know, you can talk about the natural strength of a man or the natural giftings or abilities of a, of a man, you know, who's very athletic or whatever, but, or just a guy that's very smart and can figure things out and those type things. But I don't think it's just one because God has so many facets, even in just the masculine part of him, mm -hmm. that it's hard to nail down or define for me, just one guy that can really just encompass that. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. I got a fun question for y'all. Oh boy. Yeah. So, what is one experience you wish you could give to the other gender and not have to deal with? You know, I wish that I could give to the other gender this restlessness of sleep. Like, the mind don't turn off for me. Mm -hmm. It don't turn off. And it's because, you know, I'm thinking about, okay, got this lesson, got that thing got this task to do tomorrow or 
thinking about all the things of the day. Yeah. And I just can't shut the brain down like I want to to go to sleep. And I have heard that it is not a uncommon thing for women to mm-hmm. have this struggle. And if I could pass one thing away, mm-hmm. it would be to get their sleep. <laughs> Yeah, because a man could literally be sitting there thinking about nothing. No. Like, literally. What you think about? Nothing? And you're like, I know you got to be. No, he's like, literally. I'm too tired to think. Like, I'm about to fall asleep right now. Right. Hey, there ain't nothing I'm thinking about that's that important. <laughs> but these eyeballs are getting real heavy, and I'm about to be gone. Yeah. That's Just true. to be able to do that, Jesus. <laughs> One good time before you come back would be a Look, because you can fall asleep thinking about it and then wake up thinking about it still. Like, I knew I was thinking about it. What about you, Isaac? You got something you would want to pass over? uh, What would I pass over to (laughs) y'all? I don't know, honestly. I mean... Look, they don't even deal with nothing. Look at this. Life is great, huh? I mean... I don't, I don't really, I mean. Nothing? No work outside for a day? I, right, right. I, I mean, because when you're a guy, like, I mean, almost everything you do as a guy, like, you can adjust to it. Mm. And you can adjust to it over time. Like, if you're working outside, you know, like, I, I, I do lawn and landscaping. So, like, I work outside, like, I'm just accustomed to it. Yeah, I mean, it's not fun. It sucks working outside. It's hot. But, <laughs> but I mean, you're used to it because you're out there so early in the morning. By the time it's hot, you're already acclimated and you're used to it. I mean, you can do that. And I've already, you know, or whatever it is, you know, when I was younger and I played basketball. Yeah, I mean, you're tough. You're sweating or whatever, you know. Your body aches and hurts, but you can adjust to it, you know. So I don't, I don't really know of anything. Oh, my wow. gosh. This uh, is wow. I, I really don't. I don't. I mean, I guess the only thing, the, the one, the one oh, thing. you might have found you. Oh, I, I think I did. I think I did. Okay. I think I did. So, like, when you get older. Um, you still have like if I could cause worms. I'm no, no, no. Say old men have worms. <laughs> no, no. no, but like when you get old, though, instead of always being like kind of old and decrepit sooner than women, you know. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Because it's like we like, last we longer. Yeah, because we tend to wear out and die, get old and decrepit, and sit in the corner and drool. Like if I guess if I can pass yeah. on, that's what I want. Because yeah. I told Tanya, I said, I, if I'm over in the corner drooling. That's just, it, huh? Just, yeah, just, just go on ahead and send me to be with Jesus. Oh. That's not the kind of life I want. No. Oh, no. Oh, my goodness. Okay. He wants our, our, our long life. All right. Jesus, yeah. <laughs> so here's the last question I ask everybody this season, and you come at it from whatever mm-hmm. angle you want. Is love worth it? Why or why not? You want to go first, baby? You want me to go first? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yes, of course love is worth it. Love is worth it every time. And um, I'm going to speak to it in a couple of uh, couple of avenues. First of all, love is worth it in your marriage. Um, on the day you decided to get married, you, you said some vows in front of God and everybody and said, this is the person I want to be with. Rough times are going to come. Tough times come and they go, but tough people last. And you just have to be committed to go through it with the person. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say this as a parent. Um, love is worth it every time for your children. Sometimes they may get on your nerves. You might feel like, dang, my house is never clean because my kids are here. <laughs> 
But I'm going to tell you, sometimes it's more important how you love your kid in the moment than mm-hmm. having the clean kitchen or the Pinterest per- pretty mm-hmm. perfect living room. The memories are going to last beyond that because there's going to be a season where they grow and they are gone. And you're going to wish that they were still in your house making those loud noises mm-hmm. and messes and smells and all the things. And lastly... As a sister, as a friend, as a daughter, as an auntie, Mm -hmm. love is worth it every time. Whether your brother, your sister, your auntie, your uncle, your cousin, somebody going through something, you got to love them through it. Mm -hmm. Love them through it. Yeah, amen. Yes, I would definitely say that love is worth it. I mean, the, the, the... Everybody wants or sees, you know, the whole romantic movies, and they have this notion of what love is, but love sometimes is waking up, going to work every day because you said you would. Mm-hmm. You know, love is coming home every day after work where you're mad, sad, happy, tired, frustrated, whatever, with your circumstances. Sometimes I just love because love is consistent. Love doesn't say, you know what, I'm not doing this. No, you made a commitment to whatever relationship, like Tanya said, that, that you have. Um, because we're not meant to do life alone and people, there'll be times where people will be depending on you. Mm-hmm. I need you to speak into my life or I just need you to spend time with me or I need to spend time with you or I just need to talk to you. And we have to be willing to, uh, do that because lo- sometimes love is a sacrifice. Sometimes love is inconvenient, mm-hmm. but it is worth it. Um, especially in marriage, like Tanya said, I mean, there are days you want to look at them like, why are you here? Why are we married? But because it's not based off your emotions, it's not based off feelings. Now those feelings and emotions do come, but love is a choice. And love is not blind. Love is not bliss. <laughs> but love is sometimes the day in and the day out of things. And the longer you're with someone, the longer you're, you get to, the more you get to know them, I believe it can be a good way to even love them more, not less. And I think if you take the time and not just get stuck in the, on the surface level and on the mundane and the routine of life and day-to-day stuff, but you really, like Tanya said, take those moments to just really have fun and enjoy each other's company and time, you, your relationship will last a lot longer than if you're just, all right, well, here's a paycheck Here's a house. I provided for you for 20 years. What more do you want? It's not about just that. And although it's one aspect, one perspective, but there's so much more encompassing in that. And and it's sad because so many people over time, all the kids are grown, all the kids are out of the house, and then a couple splits. Mm-hmm. Because they didn't take the time to really invest in one another and enjoy the journey along the way. And so they lost sight of each other, their growth, their development, how they changed. And they just became essentially roommates and they didn't take the time to really invest in one another and cultivate that love. Yeah. Amen. Well, thank you all so much for this. It's been really, really good. And I'm sure a lot of people learned a lot and stirred. Maybe you stirred up some things, too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But thank you all again. Thank you, Isaac, Tanya. Uh, anything else y'all want to share? Just want to say thanks for having us. This Absolutely. was fun. It was. Thank you. And, uh, yes. yeah. <laughs> Catch you on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you guys so much, and thank you for listening, Tellers. Until next time, bye.